Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Here we go. Mm hmm. Welcome to BP Wrigley Cast, the podcast that talks about the Cubs on occasion and brings you anywhere from two to four baseball writers to talk about something that we all love, which is baseball. Uh, my name is Ryan Davis, uh, currently of FanRag Sports and 2080 Baseball and coming soon to the Sporting News. And I'm joined by Isaac Bennett of BP Wrigleyville. How's it going, Isaac? It's going well, Ryan. Congratulations on your new gig with Sporting News. That's pretty awesome stuff. Thank you, sir. Yeah, it's um, a big step for me. But uh, yeah, this isn't about me. This is about the Cubs, damn it. Um, <laughs> Thank God. After... <laughs> Yeah, it's been it's been like forever since we recorded, uh, as our many fans, all all three of them, have pointed out on Twitter. And <laughs> uh, I, I guess the best thing we could say, other than the fact that uh, busy schedules have kind of consumed us all, is that um, you know, maybe we just didn't want to talk about how bad the Cubs were going for a while. But um, you know, minus the fact that they had a game against Milwaukee rained out. Things uh, are starting to look better. Notice I kind of threw in a jab there. It wasn't actually rained out. <laughs> that whole story had to be the most insufferable thing I've ever seen. I, I can't fathom anything more pedantic or worthless to discuss than, uh, you know, Theo Epstein trying to rig things around the weather. I, it, seriously, there was nothing logical or interesting about it for even a second. Yeah, the the argument that I heard from, you know, the the one Brewers beat reporter who was really pushing it and then like all the Brewers fans who had jumped on because, you know, the world is against the Milwaukee Brewers um, was that it's not a Theo Epstein thing. It was a Joe Madden thing, because according to them, this is totally a thing that Joe Madden would do to get an advantage. Uh, OK, yeah, I don't think he really has much say over that kind of thing at all. But it, I mean. It's ridiculous is what it is. He just wants to get the games out of the way. Let's be honest. He, I don't know. Like I said, not interesting. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I, I can understand why fans might want to jump on a conspiracy theory like that. But, you know, I'm, I'm just not I'm not buying it. But anyway, uh, yeah, the no, Cubs I'm are five, five and two, I think, over their last uh, seven games, something like that. So that includes a sweep of the Cincinnati Reds. So the, things are things are starting to point upward. Yeah, the Reds have kind of become that team that just always correct course for the Cubs, especially offensively. It's it's interesting because I remember a time when the Reds seemed like, you know, a team that had the Cubs number maybe 10 years ago and you never wanted to play them. 
Uh, but now you, anytime you go into their ballpark or at home, it's like, ah, we're going to have a couple nine run offensive outputs here and probably a six run output. And we'll see if they can outslug us one game, but it's pretty fun to play them at this stage. Yeah. With the small sample size of games against the Reds this year and, and how they put up runs in those games, I'd, I'd be really interested in going and looking at Cubs runs per game against the Brewers and then runs per game against everybody else, because I feel like there'd be a massive difference. Against the Brewers, against the Reds. I'm sorry, I meant against the Reds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, they're, I don't know the exact stat. I haven't looked at it, but I do know that what you just suggested is absolutely true to a hilarious extent. Where you know they're averaging like seven runs a game against the Reds, and you know around four against everybody else. So um, I think that does speak to both the Reds' pitching staff and just the fact that the Cubs have an extreme amount of confidence against that team. So it's fun to play the the old Red leggings. Yeah, I guess I said Brewers because I've got Brewers on the mind with the uh, quote-unquote rainout, and then um, the one game that they did win in that uh, you know abbreviated two-game series against the Brewers was uh, Jake Arrieta on the mound, and he threw 111 pitches, which I was perfectly fine with considering how well he was going. Um, and uh, six innings, I think he gave up five hits, an unearned run, five strikeouts, and either one or zero walks. I can't remember, but. Uh, overall looked good and i remember hearing that there was some mechanical change going on with him um, between that start and the one prior where he had made some sort of fix i'm not suggesting that arietta is uh you know like i'm stamping my approval and saying all better like everything's fine but um let's let's look forward a little bit and say if he can give you this kind of six innings you know good start you know, occasionally you know, the, the quality start, I guess we'll say uh, from this point forward and is maybe not 2015 Arietta, but just a, a good pitcher, which his stuff, you know, should he should equal to. How does that change uh, the plan going forward for the rest of this year for the Cubs? Because it, in my mind, if Arietta is broken, they have to make a, a deadline deal for a pitcher. Do you feel the same way? Yeah, yeah, I don't, you know, Arietta, 2015 Arietta is never coming back. And that's because it was a, right. you know, an historically great season that basically nobody's ever seen before, especially his run, you know, uh, the second half of 2015. So he's more the pitcher he is today, probably than he is that pitcher. And, you know, I think this is actually correlative to the team itself where they started 20 and six last year and people built up these expectations. But the reality is nobody is a 25 and six team. And, you know, it's always more normal even for a great team to play two games over 500 than to play 19 games over 500 in a 31-game span. So um, what we're seeing out of Arietta is within the, uh, you know, the error bar of who he is, I would think. Um, and, you know, the mechanical side of it is complicated because he has one of the most complicated deliveries of any starting pitcher. And it's one of the reasons that I didn't advocate signing him long-term for what it will take is because it's just too easy for him to get out of whack, or I should say it's too hard for him to stay in good rhythm. So um, as far as whether or not his performance or his ironing out his mechanical bugs changes the way this team looks, I don't really think so because I still think looking for starting pitching for this team is probably more about controlling a long-term starter rather than the last three months of this season. I still think there are internal options that they could look at. Um, I advocate them trading for a controlled starter and have for a couple of years now, but um, if he is a 
say a, a, a good three, a middling, uh, middle of the rotation guy, then yeah, I think it changes some things. If he's totally broken, they, they do need to go get somebody. I don't, I've never felt like he was totally broken. I felt like he was just a little bit off. Um, either way though, I mean, I think they still need to be looking for controlled starting pitching. I guess what's interesting to me is who are they going to go get and who do you see going the other way in the deal? Yeah, I was going to go to that next. Um, we've seen what the prospect cost can be for, um, you know, for younger pitchers, especially ones with, you know, a lot of control. I mean, I, Chris Sale is the extreme example, you know, younger guy, one of the best pitchers in the game, uh, signed long term on a on a very reasonable deal. Uh, so that was, you know, at the time, as far as starting pitchers go, probably the most or top three attractive assets in the game. Uh, so, mm-hmm. so he commanded a huge return. You know, Makata, Mankata is, um, you know, was the top prospect in the game and, and probably still is. And, uh, you know, you have Kopech and you have all, you know, all the others that went over in that deal. Um, we're not talking about trading for a guy like Chris Sale, but, you know, what about just as an example, a guy like Chris Archer, do the Cubs have currently in their minor leagues calling Ian Happ a minor leaguer for now? Um, do they have prospects that um, that could net a guy like Chris Archer without touching the major league roster? I don't think they do. Oh, I definitely think they do. I'm not sure it makes sense. Um, Archer is one of those guys that I love um, and always have loved. And part of it's probably back because he at one point was a Cubs farmhand and an Indians farmhand back in the day as well. Um, but I think if they wanted to make a deal, I, I guess I'll make the assumption that you're not including Ian Happ and that, you know, you're including him in the major league side at this at this moment in time. Uh, no, I was saying that I do include him in the minor league side, okay. but, okay. but, um, but, but the point that I'm making is for just comparing it to what we see for different deals, um, comparatively for what Archer is as a starting pitcher and on a long, longer term deal, mm-hmm. look what they had to give up to get Aroldis Chapman midseason last year. I, and and that's what the market was. That's just what it was. Now think about how many starting pitchers with contr- you know years of control in their prime will be on the open market in the middle of this year. The market will be somewhat similar in that they're going to have to pay a high price. I don't think Eloy Jimenez, Ian Happ, and Jamer Candelario gets you. Uh, I don't think it gets you Chris Archer. I think you have to include one of the one of the players on the major league roster that maybe a lot of fans don't want to give up. Yeah, I don't know. I will say this, though. The price that they paid for Aroldis Chapman, as everybody knows, um, is not correlative to what a starting pitcher market is going to be because uh, um, the Yankees saw completely irrational um, exuberance in regards to what the relief pitching market was. And it has absolutely no correlative effect to any other market that I've ever seen. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Um, But when you look at a guy like Chris Archer, I actually think that if the Cubs went to the Rays and offered to empty their farm system, including Ian Happ and Eloy Jimenez and Jamer Candelario and maybe Dylan Cease and uh, one more nice-ish piece, I think they'd be actually pretty stupid not to engage that. Because if they took that offer to the market and said, um, you know, we've got a top 10 a top 20 in Hap, probably a top 50 in Candelario, um, uh, 
a huge upside starting pitcher in Dylan Cease and another piece uh, beat it and and somebody beat that, that you've got to make that deal. At some point, the reputation of Chris Archer is um, way below to beyond what his actual value to a baseball team is. And I think that um, a collection of players like that could be half of your starting team for seven years. And um, the Tampa Bay Rays, being who they are, would need to consider that type of thing because Archer himself um, is a guy with you know about 11 career war in six years. This is his sixth season, and um, he's not going to take anywhere himself. You have to maximize his value into a bunch of players that could be all-star level or above. So um, whether or not it gets it done is entirely speculative and not something I can answer, but the Rays should absolutely listen to that deal and then try and shop it if the Cubs were going to go make it. And for the record, I would not support the Cubs making that trade. Yeah, and and really my my uh, interest in this deal is uh, the market as itself is there will be a lot of teams that would be interested in Chris Archer. And you're right. The Rays would absolutely have to take that deal and shop it and see, you know, who could beat that and who would want to. And I think the list of teams that would want to would be very long. And there might be, be teams that are more desperate for, um, you know, for a controllable starting pitcher in his prime, like Archer uh, or, or anybody else that that Archer is just the example that I came up with, sure. but, yeah. you know, it, and, and that speaks to the issue is that I can't think of a ton of other in prime signed long-term uh, to reasonable deal pitchers that that could possibly be available this year. So uh, you, you could really have a seller's market on starting pitching like that. And, and it may just mean that if the Cubs want to make a move, they maybe make a move for, um, for, for a guy who's essentially a rental and try and pay a lesser price. But um, that that's a different conversation. It is. And I, I, there's a big part of me that says that if those kind of deals aren't getting it done for starting pitching, then the market rational. Um, because at the end of the day, starting pitchers are still incredibly unpredictable and emptying out a farm system for one arm is putting way too much risk on an asset that, uh, you know, <laughs> it's just incredibly unpredictable. I mean, if you look at the top guys, uh, so many of them are injured right now and so many more will continue to get injured that, uh, you know, if I'm the Cubs, I'm probably just going ahead and using, using my top guys for, uh, filling in holes, just like Ian Happ has done and coming in and, and sparking the team. So unless the market cools down a little bit and people start valuing starting pitching more appropriately, um, I'm fine to stay on the sidelines. Uh, going forward a little bit. Um, I, I want to get to Ian Happ uh, again in just a minute, but before we get there, I'm going to talk about Ben Zobrist. Uh, he was uh, dealing with a back issue and not playing every day for a while and uh, struggling at the plate quite a bit. I think he maybe in that struggle was going into, into the playing field because we saw him not making uh, some, some plays in the outfield. Uh, he's supposedly, according to Joe Madden, healthy now. He's in the lineup every day. He's now leading off. And he is absolutely murdering the ball. I think he has a 430 something on base percentage over the last, you know, 10 days or something like that. Um, do you think that Ben Zobrist is kind of the key to this team? And, and by what I mean for that is um, he's so versatile in that he can play second base and, and the corner outfield spots. Um, he gets on base. He does have some power. He's a guy who can legitimately lead off or bat, you know, third, fourth, fifth, or sixth. Do you think that if Zobrist is going well, that could completely change the complexion of the Cubs team? 
I do think it would change the complexion of pretty much any team because he's a guy with a 360 career on base. So um, even if he's just going average and doing what he does averagely, it's a 360 on base. And that's something that every lineup needs, especially when guys like Contreras and Russell and a few others, Rizzo, to some extent, have scuffled. Schwarber is scuffled. Um, so he didn't look healthy. And, you know, even now when I watch him play defense, uh, and my brother pointed this out as well, uh, <laughs> he looks like an old man out there. So I don't even know if I would consider him versatile anymore. I think at this stage, you're actually trying to hide his glove around. Um, yeah, he can play anywhere, but he can't play anywhere well. So is that versatility? I don't know. Um, but yeah, they need him in the lineup because his bat is still special. Um, you know, he started horribly, but he's still been an above average hitter this year. And um, they just need him to get on base. I strongly support the leading him off uh, mantra that they're finally approaching, um, even though Joe is already saying, up, oh, Schwarber's still going to be our leadoff guy in the future. Um, I don't know. I, I think that leading him off at this stage is probably the right spot for him, and he seems to be embracing it right now. So it's good to see. Yeah, and really, it's it's such a it's such a mental gymnastics that you have to go through in the whole Schwarber and the leadoff thing, yeah. because re- really, Schwarber was your leadoff man, um, one at bat per game in the first inning, and then after that, Madden was batting the pitcher eighth, so you had either like John Jay or Albert Almora or some you know Javier Baez batting in front of Schwarber the second and third and fourth time through the lineup. Now you have Zobris leading off and Schwarber second. But when Madden does that, he puts the pitcher ninth. So Zobrist is your leadoff man, top of the first inning, and, and Schwarber hits second. But again, back through the lineup, it's it's still Schwarber is the second batter after the pitcher. So it doesn't yeah. change a lot to me. The only thing that I can think that Madden might be trying to change here is something I've really gone after in the last couple of weeks is the mental part of being the leadoff man and trying to change Schwarber's mindset about actually leading off because I think that could have played some problems with with what he was doing at the plate yeah and I agree with that and I've 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 long thought that one Schwarber's mentality was probably built up too much and I think he can handle a lot of pressure but I putting him in the leadoff spot to me was premature and two when he's scuffling for six weeks give the give him a break like everyone needs a break and for anybody that's played leading off has significantly more pressure than anywhere else in the lineup there's no question about it so give him a break move him down I will say that I know you've got the whole left right left thing but I don't think until he has turned things around and maybe he has I don't know but until he's turned things around I don't think it makes sense to hit him second I think it still makes more sense to hit Bryant Rezzo two three and then Schwarber four but again it is kind of mental gymnastics and um the machinations of this lineup honestly are all pretty pedantic because there are so many good hitters and pretty much any way you throw them out there you can have a pretty respectable lineup so um i'm i'm literally shrugging over here because i'm not sure any of it matters as much as maybe some of us myself included have uh, made it out to matter Right. I agree with that too. And, and I do agree that I think Schwarber is probably better suited for his skills as uh, fourth or fifth in the lineup uh, simply because I think, I, I think he's better uh, with, and I'm not talking about his statistics here. I'm talking about for his mentality. I think he would be better hitting with those guys on base ahead of him rather than trying to get his mind around getting on base in front of those guys. Correct. And I've, I've always believed that that was true. And that was one of my biggest reasons about not leading him off in the first place. 
because I mean, all of those guys have serious power, but you know, if you have two men on with one out in front of Schwarber, you're obviously not trying to walk him to get to Addison Russell or, right. uh, or whoever's next. So a pitcher is going to be more mindful of being in the zone. You have, you have more of a chance of giving up a, a three run homer with Schwarber at the plate in that situation than, you know, a pitcher thinking, well, if I accidentally walk Schwarber on a three, two pitch, that's, you know, low and outside, I'm going to deal with it uh, and try and go after the next guy rather than give in to him and give up a leadoff home run to a game. Just speaking of Schwarber home runs. I mean, <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> the one he was at yesterday, the day before that thing Last was night. just assaulted on 476 feet or whatever it was. It was just, man, there are not that many guys who can hit a ball that far. And it is, it is fun to see when he actually does it. Yeah. All right. So we talked about Schwarber. We talked about Zobrist. Uh, The topic I wanted to go back to is Ian Happ. Uh, He's doing the whole, I'm new up in the big leagues and I'm hitting 500 because nobody knows how to get me out yet. And I'm playing way above my head and everybody loves me and thinks I'm, I'm the next great prospect because they've seen me bat like 40 times. Um, that is going to change at some point. Um, do you think now that they've sent Tommy LaStella down to keep him up, do you think he stays with the big league team the rest of the season? Or do you think once he starts to slump, he finds himself back in the minors? I think he'll have another stint in the minors this year. Um, there's another roster crunch coming. And frankly, Tommy LaStella is a guy that they probably need at the major league level. It's you know, I think Madden's probably right in the hot hand, um, and there's nothing wrong with that. He's He has acquitted himself quite well in the majors, and it's great to see. And, um, you know, he's not what he's shown to be. I think he is a good hitter, not a great hitter. Um, he's hitting extra base hits like they're going out of style, which is really fun, and I've really enjoyed it. But I think there will come a time when he goes through a a little bit of a prolonged slump as pitchers start to get the book on him and start to figure him out a little bit. Um, And, and they'll, they'll send him back down and bring La Stella back up. Um, But look, I hope he proves me wrong. I hope he continues to rake and, you know, hit extra base hits every day and uh, stays up. But I would say that the odds are probably that he will go back down at some point. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I, I, I don't think this is a showcase at all, at least not in the intention, but I think it, it does kind of serve uh, as one when you have such a crowded roster and you're talking about possibly trading for a starting pitcher. And and really, if you are going to trade for a starting pitcher, I won't say that Ian Happ is going to be a better player than Eli Jimenez, but for a team trading a starter, he might be the more attractive prospect at this moment. And, you know, if, if you strongly disagree with that sentiment, hear me out on it. He's much closer to the big leagues and a small market team that's trading a popular starting pitcher, um, you know, really needs to bring back somebody that they can put in the lineup and, and say, look and see, this is the guy we got. Um, and he's going to do this for us. Now, maybe a guy like Jimenez down the road becomes the better player. But, you know, Hap being closer to the majors has the uh, kind of higher floor that you're looking for. Yeah, I think it just depends on the team. I don't think it's an outrageous statement, but say theoretically the Red Sox um, really continued to play poorly and found themselves 10 games back in July. I can see a team like that trading for Ian Happ because they clearly have other pieces that are good enough to become um, relevant very soon. Um, So say they wanted to trade one of their starting pitchers and center it around Happ. Totally get that. A team like the Rays, I would definitely go for Eloy Jimenez where they're maybe not quite as close and they need higher upside. 
Um, Jimenez is the guy I would be going for because I still think his upside is quite a bit higher than Haps. So um, I think it's just about how close a team views themselves uh, to being, you know, to mattering, to being in contention as to which guy you would choose. But, uh, you know, I, I think Jimenez is still quite a bit more valuable. Okay. Yeah, and I, I really agree with that. Um, I, I do think he is overall the more valuable piece, but yeah, kind of what you just said, I, what I was trying to allude to was I, it's not necessarily a showcase for Hap, but there, there may be teams that are more interested in packaging a deal around him right now. Sure. For the, yeah. For the reasons you laid out um, than, than they would be for Eloy Jimenez, just because he's closer to the majors and, and, you know, he's, he's showing what he can do. I mean, that, I, I mean, I, as a fan, I watch him play and I say, I don't want them to trade this guy. I mean, you know, the, this is a really great player, but at some point a difficult decision is going to have to be made. And that's, necessarily not not necessarily to replace Jake Arrieta in theory but going into next season you have John Lester who is great and you have Kyle Hendricks who has been kind of streaky he's he's not been exactly the same guy this year but he's been pitching better and those are the only two you have that's it you have three rotation spots and they're all question marks at the at Mm. this very moment um Eddie Butler has been um you know, up, he's made two starts. One was very good. One was very bad. Um, what is your thought on Eddie Butler as of right now, having seen him? And do you think his next start is an audition to keep the fifth starter spot? Yeah, that's interesting. Actually, if I can go back just one, one second to something else here that we touched on, Eloy Jimenez, really quick. I, I want to get your thoughts on, um, you know, he's only played eight games since coming back in high A, but, you know, this is a guy that missed a month and then came back in 32 plate appearances. He's only struck out four times in high A, which is a big jump uh, in a tough Carolina league. So he's got a 438 on base and a 556. So he's, he's OPSing nearly a thousand so far, a couple of home runs. And I don't know if you saw my tweet the other day, but uh, on his home run, <laughs> I screenshotted where his hips were when he got through. And for a guy of his size to clear that viciously and that open with his hips, I was I was really impressed about it. So um, anyway, I guess I'll answer your question. Now, Eddie Butler, I, I thought that his second start came in a really unfortunate circumstance with the really terrible weather that he faced and he had a hard time controlling. And I think he got squeezed a little bit in that game by the umpire as well, if I remember correctly. Um, I do think he's auditioning for a starter spot. I think he's going to win it both this year and moving forward. Cause I, I really like his stuff. I think uh, Chris Bazio can straighten him out somewhat mechanically. I, I, I think he's going to be a starter for this team for a long time. Um, beyond that, yeah, there are a lot of question marks and there's going to be some money spent in free agency. And like we said earlier, probably a trade at some point. Yeah. And I, I know um, every time we get on this podcast once a month and, and start talking, we always end up talking about potential trades and, and fixing <laughs> the rotation for 2018, which is probably, probably shouldn't be our priority with our, with our airtime is talking about the 2018 roster, but uh I guess going forward, uh, knowing that that you have to make all these decisions, uh, is it smarter to make those decisions uh, in July or or just to wait and see how how this pans out this year? I don't know if there's an answer to that. Yeah, I, there's probably not one. I mean, they, you know, the mantra was find pitching, and they've got to go out, and they've got to find pitching, and it's constant. And 
you pretty much knew that that's what they were going to have to do when they committed all their most valuable draft picks to to hitting. But on the other hand, it still plays out truer and truer every day that they made the right decision. I mean, look at the Mets. The Mets, everyone, a year ago, everyone thought that they had more starters than they knew what to do with. And all of a sudden, they don't have hardly any. You know, so um, the health of guys like Lackey, Lester, Arietta, and Hendricks, who take the ball every fifth day, shouldn't be underestimated, even if they're underperforming. They're still taking the ball. They're keeping the bullpen relatively fresh. Um, the bullpen is a, a major plus on this team, which is good to see. They quickly rebuilt that. Looks great. Um so the health is huge. They're going to probably stay healthy with this group. And, um, y- you know, 2018 will sort itself out at some point. All right. My, my final point to you, and, and this is kind of old news that people were talking about for a while. And I don't remember even where it started, but um, <clears throat> it, it was the notion that either Kyle Schwarber or Javier Baez could be moved for pitching at some point, maybe not in the middle of this season, but at some point and fans kind of you know obviously had the fan reaction to that i that that ideal you know the world series hero and the nlcs co-mvp how dare you Uh, but um let's say that to get a a starting pitcher that you want uh that you absolutely need uh for the rotation going forward one of those guys does need to go and and if you make that deal you can realistically keep a guy like Ian Happ um, for the foreseeable future. In your mind, which one is it? Is it Schwarber or is it Baez? Um, man, I don't think I would trade Javier Baez. He's he's he brings so much to the game that most players don't bring to it. Um, I definitely wouldn't be trading either of those guys to keep Ian Happ around. I know that's not your broader point, but just to clarify, I would definitely not trade one of them to keep Ian Happ around. Um, But if you're going to do that and you're going to trade one of those guys to me, it's probably Schwarber. Um, I wouldn't do it, but it's probably him um, because he does fit a lot better in the American league. There's no question about it. Um, So I guess if forced to do one of the two, it would probably be Kyle Schwarber. How about you? That's where I lean to. And and the point that I make to somebody is, um, are are the Cubs better off with, um, you know, Schwarber in left field, Baez, wherever he is, Ian Happ and the minors are being traded as part of a package for, you know, uh, a, a controllable starting pitcher who knows who that may be, or are they better uh, on the major league team, if Schwarber is traded straight for, you know, one of the better pitchers in the game, um, which is his value at, at this point, maybe not at the moment because he's been struggling, but you know, if, if he hits like we think he will, and like, you know, some of the peripherals say he will, um, you know, are you better off doing that deal straight up and putting Hap in left field? Mm. I think you're, I think you're better defensively and I think you're better overall um, hmm. trading Schwarber at his value to the American League than you are trading either Javier Baez or Ian Happ away just because of the difference that it makes. You know, Schwarber is, you know, like you said, a much better fit for an American League team. As much as he is loved within that organization and by the fans and just for the general player that he is, he's just he's he's the one that stands out like a sore thumb that just does not fit. Yeah, and I think that there's a huge and I and it was 
going all the way back to the Stan Zelensky and Theo Epstein chat about, you know, uh, Epstein saying something to the effect of let's stick in between Bryant and Baez and call it a day in regards to Schwarber, uh, which there's a lot we could get into in that statement. That's really interesting, but let's not go there for today. But um, he has to be uh, a David Ortiz like presence in the national league to really make it worth it. Maybe not quite that, but close because he's a major liability in left field. And this team has, so many good defensive players that an offensive player that purely brings offense is going to have to rake and they're going to have to get on base. And as much as everyone wants to believe it, Kyle Schwarber has proven that he's going to do that consistently. Uh, I haven't seen it yet. And I, I think that he will, I think he'll be a great offensive player, but he's, he's not there yet. Um, I think that everyone is underestimating what Javier Baez brings at the plate. It's obvious what he brings in the field and some of the intangibles, but this is a guy that even though he struggled early in the year, he's only striking out 23% of the time and he's slugging close to 500. So here's a second base shortstop versatile could play anywhere player slugging 500, not only striking out 23% of the time, he has 14 extra base hits and 135 plate appearances. Baez is bringing a ton to the plate and people seem to forget that or ignore it. So um, Javi Baez is just not a guy I would trade, period. I've always felt that way all the way back when we debated about Soler or Baez, who would you trade? I would never trade Javier Baez unless the the deal was just a complete brainer. So if forced, uh, it would be Kyle Schwarber. Yeah, I, I looked it up while you were talking. As an outfielder, according to defensive runs saved, he is negative six yeah that's Schwartz. very bad <clears throat> that is yeah that is, i mean that you're talking he's and this is what i say to all the cubs fans who tweet me and say well you can live with him in left field he's not average but you can live with him and and that was something that i got from from my original tweet which was saying that i i never hear from cubs fans when he makes a, a bad play in left field all the ones who who laud him for making that that one good play every once in a while and say, oh, Schwarber, he can mm. play left field. And it's like, yeah, but he's really not a good left fielder. It's like, you know, Matt Holliday used to occasionally make a nice catch in left field. That doesn't yeah. mean he's yeah. a good left fielder. Uh, I mean, we know by by the numbers and by our eyes that Schwarber is a bad left fielder. And if he's, like yeah. you said, if he's doing the David Ortiz thing uh, or even just hitting like a very good hitter, overall you can probably deal with that but you know there's a really good question about whether he can do that uh, a, a stat that i put in one of my most recent articles was um since 2010 there have been 44 players who qualified for the batting title uh who hit or who struck out 26 percent or more i think was the number and of those 44 only five posted a an on base over 340 so does that does that tell you the kind of player that Schwarber is is going to be a high on base guy? It doesn't say that he necessarily won't be, but there's enough of a question there. And with that bad defense, I, I'm sorry, he, it, he's the one who just doesn't fit. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I think I hear what you're saying is that he doesn't it doesn't he doesn't have to be traded. But if somebody was going to go in a, in a huge deal for for Archer or something like that, that's, that's the guy that might make sense. And I agree with that. Um, I don't, I don't want to see him traded, but um, it, it's funny regarding his defense because the 2015 playoffs exposed him and the national media jumped on and said, Oh, look how awful he is. And then the pendulum swung and everyone jumped on the bandwagon of, Oh, he's not that bad. It was a few games. Here's the fact of the matter. He's terrible in left field. And he's always been terrible in left field. 
And to your point, he is a major league athlete. And yes, he's going to make some good plays. Yes, he's going to make most of the routine catches, but he's probably a bottom five or bottom six left fielder and maybe lower. And he's probably never going to be a good, a good or even average defensive player. So um, and I the, mean, the one thing I'll right. say is this. Sorry. I, I was going to say you're right. And a, the, the case that I make to people is how can you imagine him getting better than what he is now? The value that mm-hmm. he does bring defensively in the outfield is the fact that he surprisingly for his size is fast enough that he can, mm-hmm. he can make up for some of his early mistakes by getting to a ball. That's why um, pretty much anytime you see a ball hit to his left or right, you might see a nice diving player, a nice run and catch because he can use that speed to make up for it. If he's backpedaling or coming in, that's when you see a problem. Now, mm-hmm. being out there or, you know, being a guy who runs fast at his size, I can tell you that wears down your speed faster than the skinny little guy who sprints around the bases. So two, three years from now, that speed may not be the same as what it is when he's 23, 24 years old. He is not going to get better on defense. No, he's not. I think he's, you know, maybe he gets a little more consistent, but you're right. Some of that makeup speed that he's got is going to go away. But I'll say this. There's no way I would trade him right now. Now is a very bad time to trade him. Wait till he gets hot. Wait till he hits five home runs and three games or, you know, raises his average at least at 230, 240 and is on base to 340. You can't trade him now. His value's in the draw. So just wait by the deadline. He'll be hitting better. And, you know, if there is a deal out there to be made, maybe, maybe you do that after a hot streak, but (laughs) (laughs) certainly not today. This is all just hypothetical talk. I wanted to bring it up because I thought it was interesting, but I think we are on the same page. Neither of us are, are out there banging the drum saying trade Kyle Schwarber. Uh, now or even soon uh, but this is just our way of telling uh, you the listener that we do think Schwarber is the guy who maybe doesn't have the best fit uh, among all the pieces that they have in the major league level mm-hmm. and also our way of telling you that you should probably keep a closer eye on what Baez is doing at the plate yeah and I mean that that guy was a part-time player last year and was like a three to four win player I mean that mm-hmm. that obviously may not be something he repeats um, but you know, he he's a very valuable player and and the kind of special that you saw especially in the postseason on defense that'll make up for a lot of the occasional booted ball that that you'll have from him when he makes those impossible plays that nobody else in the game can make at second base uh, yeah, he's, and and then that's not even touching on the power so yeah uh Baez Baez is the one that I would keep of the two um I guess that's all I have unless you have more you wanted to touch on Nope. Good stuff. It's nice to get back on the air here to everyone. We apologize for how long it's been since we recorded, but we'll try and get on a little bit more consistent schedule here. It's been mostly my fault. So my apologies and uh, thank you for hanging with us and we'll try and bring you some more fun arguments and good content moving forward. All right. You can follow us on Twitter at BP Wrigley cast or email us bpwrigleycast at baseballprospectus.com I'm Ryan Davis again that's Isaac Bennett I will talk to you later take care with lucky landslots you can get lucky just about anywhere dearly beloved we are gathered here today to has anyone seen the bride and groom sorry sorry we're here we were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. 
In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.